Welcome to this podcast of the Episcopal Church of the Good Shepherd in Venice, Florida. Today is the third Sunday after Epiphany, and you will hear Father Joe Hudson speak on Matthew 4. As you listen, see if you can answer these questions. The questions? What are the present contrasts of light and darkness which we see? 2. What words of condemnation do we hear about Galilee? And 3. Stand up for the truth, and God will be at your side. How did these words portray Martin Luther King? And what might they mean for us? with you. The proclamation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Light creator, may we be a light to the nations. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
We live in a world that is a mixture of divinity and devilry, of halos and horns, if you will. As we explore the depths of humanity, we find many examples of these polar opposites. We see examples of hope and also despair, of love and also fear, of joy and sadness, rejoicing and depression, kindness and blame, esteem and hatred, truth and lies, goodwill and animosity, self-sacrifice and selfishness, justice and injustice, and so many other varying shades of luminosity and darkness. In all of recorded time, the brilliant light of the divine Christ shone most gloriously through the darkness in one unique human being who lived 2,000 years ago. Any guesses? It's a Sunday school kid's answer. It's got to always be Jesus, right? The transformative words that Jesus spoke and the purity of the life he lived are recorded in the Bible. This divine man, yes, was named Jesus, and he was seen and heard and known by many in the land of Palestine. One of those encounters was with a man named Nathaniel, and in that encounter, Nathaniel's life was instantly transformed. We read that Nathaniel was one day lounging in the shade of a beautiful fig tree, trying to escape summer's heat, when his brother Philip ran up to him, breathless with excitement, shouting, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, we found him! He's the one! The one the prophets have spoken about! Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth! Nathaniel's face instantly turned bright red when he heard the word Nazareth. He cursed and spat out the words, Nazareth, Nazareth, Philip, you know perfectly well that nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. Such harsh words of condemnation spoken about one small little seemingly insignificant town. And yet, similar words of condemnation were frequently spoken by many Jews, not just about Nazareth, but about the entire region of Galilee as well. Many devout Jews believed that nothing good could ever come from Galilee. This morning's reading in Isaiah speaks to us of Galilee of the Gentiles. The gospel reading uses these same words, Galilee of the Gentiles. Nazareth and the entire territory of Galilee, why such revulsion and condemnation? Well, the people of Judea, the territory to the south, with the city of Jerusalem as its sparkling jewel, was known as Jewish territory. It was the center of Jewish religious and civil life, while up north, on that side of the tracks, was another place altogether. Up there, you ran into Samaria and Galilee. Galilee was often spoken of disparagingly as Galilee of the Gentiles. Not just Galilee, but Galilee of the Gentiles. You see, Jews referred to Galilee as that place where many despised foreigners lived. 
Because Galilee had a significant population of religiously unclean Gentiles living, God forbid, side by side with many Jews, Galilee was thought of by most Jews from down south in Judea as unclean, foreign territory. Galilee was often viewed as ethnically and religiously impure, and even to those Jews who happened to live in Galilee, some particularly Galilean towns were worse than others, like Nazareth, for example. So when Nathaniel heard his brother speaking of Jesus as being God's anointed one, coming from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth of all places, he was disgusted. How could someone so pure and holy as the Messiah come from Nazareth? It turned his stomach just to think of it. There could be nothing good about Nazareth, nothing redeemable, no light found there. No light, that is, until that day when Nathaniel met Jesus. And with that encounter, all his prejudices and preconceptions about that town melted away in the light of Jesus' presence. Christ's presence still, even today, has the power to melt away many prejudices and misconceptions. The Gospel of Matthew quotes today from Isaiah these words, Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. In that place of darkness, the light had dawned. In that Gentile, unclean place, Jesus, the incarnate word of God, illumined the darkness. In the next verse, we are told, From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus, from Nazareth, yes, of all places, began to go about Galilee, shining forth the light of God that was within him, lives were transformed Families were transformed, communities transformed. The light of Christ, even today, continues to shine forth through God's children, transforming lives and families and communities. One such child of God was Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Last Monday, we celebrated his national holiday. We remember the life and light of God that shined forth from that minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a black man, the Reverend Dr. King lovingly fought hard against hatred and fear and lies and injustice, being God's light in the darkness that surrounded him. And as he fulfilled his divine calling, he often grew weary from the struggle. In his book, Stride Towards Freedom, He wrote of his soul's weariness. I was ready to give up, with my cup of coffee sitting untouched before me. I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing a coward. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud. The words I spoke to God that midnight are still vivid in my memory. 
I am here taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared, and I was ready to face anything. You see, in that long, dark, moonless night, Dr. King's soul felt clouded in darkness as well. He felt weighed down and swallowed up by society's darkness. He had grown weary of the battle. He longed to escape it all. And in that moment of utter exhaustion and darkness, King reached out to the one who could help. He folded his hands in prayer. And it was in that moment of weakness that the brilliant light of God poured into his soul. Words of power and hope and strength flooded his being. The chains of darkness lost their grip on him as God's divine light came in. Martin Luther found himself in that moment transformed from darkness to light. He became the light of Christ once again. And in that divine, glorious infusion of light and power, he went out as God's ambassador to shatter the darkness around him with the light of God's truth and hope and justice. Now, you and I may probably be thinking, well, you know, an incredible story, and yes, it is, but that's Dr. King you're talking about. That's not me. I could never be a Dr. King Or, for that matter, I couldn't be a Jesus. I'm not that unique, not that special. It's just this ordinary me. Well, you would be right. I doubt that any one of us would ever have the same impact as a Dr. King. But that still doesn't minimize the impact God desires to have through your life and mine. Oh, As I look out at many of your faces, most of us could rightly use the excuse that we are in the waning years of our lives. We've crossed the peak of the bell curve. It's been a while since we crossed the peak of that bell curve. We're in retirement, maybe, and thinking about wrapping things up and winding down, not ramping up. But then we hear the story of the Hebrew patriarch Abraham, who could have easily used these very same excuses when God chose to call him as a very, very old man to be the father of many nations. You see, God desires to do great things still at your age of life and mine, through each of every one of us. God is still calling us to be God's light to stand up for justice when we see injustice, to offer hope when we see despair, love where there is fear, to offer kindness when we see hatred, to speak truth when we hear lies, 
to be examples of selflessness and self-sacrifice when it seems that all around us all we see is selfishness, to be God's loving light in a world that often lives in the shadows of darkness. I heard a story from a member of our congregation this last Thursday of a time when she was used as Christ's light, of a time when God used her to penetrate the darkness. Yesterday, I asked her to write up that story, to offer her life example as one of the many ways that we can be used as God's light in our world. Here's her story. While volunteering at a local thrift store, I noticed another volunteer who moved quickly and efficiently during her job, but never looked up to make eye contact or spoke to anyone. She was excellent at displaying the merchandise and followed the guidelines that were set for her job. I got the feeling that she may have been battling depression and may have done this job to be out and around people. I continued to watch her behavior each week and always tried to develop a conversation with her. She seemed timid at first, but then it even came to me, and she even came to me and shared a few thoughts. One day I approached her and told her what a wonderful job she was doing and thanked her for her volunteer time. She never spoke much to anyone, but just went about her work. Several weeks later, she came to me with a question about something she was wearing that didn't fit properly and asked for my advice. I helped make a suggestion for her to try, and she seemed happy. Then in a few more weeks, she actually said that she liked the way my husband and I worked so well together and accomplished so much. We thanked her for the compliment and told her it does take a team to perform well. I told her we thoroughly enjoyed working with her. She looked up at me, made eye contact, and said, I will continue to volunteer on the days you are here and become part of your team because you make me feel good. She looked me straight in the eye and gave me a great big smile. Do you see how the light of Christ broke through this person's darkness? Do you see how the kingdom of God expanded just a little further in our world in that moment? Our sister in Christ took an opportunity to step into the shoes of Jesus and Dr. King. She chose to be the light of Christ shining into the darkness. She chose to see, really see, another child of God who was wounded and weighed down by darkness and depression And in that moment of deeply seeing another human being, Christ used her to shine the light into the darkness, breaking the chains of bondage that held this poor woman captive. The prophet's words spoken so many millennia ago are even today still finding fulfillment. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. Christ's light is still shining out in the dark places of our world. May you and I be that great light. Amen. 
questions. What are the present contrasts of light and darkness which we see? Two, what words of condemnation do we hear about Galilee? And three, stand up for the truth and God will be at your side. How did these words portray Martin Luther King? And what might they mean for us?